Welcome to the Good Life Agora Hills podcast. Join us each month as we discuss important city projects, programs, and initiatives with the community. We appreciate your support and thank you for tuning in. Hello, Agora Hills, and welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, The Good Life Agora Hills. My name is Ramiro Adeva. I'm your assistant city manager and the proud host of our podcast. So listen, I am so excited for our guest today. She is a local leader legend. Try saying that 10 times, a local leader legend. And she does so much remarkable work running the 42nd Assembly District of the State of California. But in all of her busy times, she's decided to come here and talk to you. So it gives me great pleasure and honor to introduce her to you. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together in your houses, in your cars, for the one, the only, Assembly Member Jackie Irwin. Let's go, let's go. Pump it up, folks. All right, so listen, Jackie, I don't know if you actually remember this, but the first time I got to formally meet you was right actually in this room, the state of the city. I ran up to you like an adoring fan. And I saw Nancy, <laughs> shout out to Nancy. And you know, I ran up to you like an adoring fan and I was like, Jackie, I just want to meet you. You know, I shook your hand. You were talking to a council, I think council member Buckley Weber at the time. And you're like, oh, hey, you know? <laughs> so I got to meet you then. And I think it was foreshadowing for this great conversation we're going to have today. So thank you for joining us. Well, uh, I appreciate that. And remember, you've been a constituent for a very long time right. because I was on the uh, city council in Thousand Oaks for 10 years. That's so right. um, maybe that's how you know me. But maybe that, yeah, yeah, so there you go. The first question, honestly, is just really understanding who is Jackie? You know, I think, um, you know, folks, they hear about you, you know, all the great work that you do in the 42nd district. But this is more of like, you know, your journey. And so if you don't mind, we would like to kind of just know a little bit about you, maybe ultimately kind of where you started and ultimately where you ended up um, being an assembly member for the state. So if you could do that, that'd be great. Well, certainly. And um, I am very familiar with this area because I grew up in Woodland Hills, San Fernando Valley, and we used to come out this way all the time, uh, went to Taft High School, and I was uh, the first one in my family that went to college, got an, a systems engineering degree from UC San Diego, and uh, then I got married and uh, worked as a systems engineer at the Applied Physics Lab in Laurel, Maryland, and we worked on post-flight processing of the Trident II missile, and then uh, worked at Teledyne Systems Company out here where I did rapid display prototyping. We moved out to Thousand Oaks. I had my three kids and stayed home for a little while. And uh, I ended up being the, um, the president of the youth football organization. And the first day that, the, that I became president, I went up to a city council member and said, you know, we need to fix these fields at Thousand Oaks High School. And so he said, you know, there's some money, but you need to think bigger. So um, I, I ended up uh, rounding up a whole bunch of people from Westlake High School and, and um, Newberry Park High School. And we went to the city council and uh, told stories about uh, lost scholarships and broken ankles because the fields were so bad at the three high schools. And at the end of the meeting, uh, we sold them and uh, the city gave uh, $2 million to the school district. And we got new tracks, fields and stands at all three high schools. And that city council member said, um, you need to run for city council. <laughs> You're hooked. Uh, and that was it. That's how I went into politics. Would never have actually decided to do this 
uh, on my own. There was no career plan to uh, be a politician, but I served for 10 years on the Thousand Oaks City Council, and, and then there was an opening because um, Jeff Gorell ran for Congress, and so I, um, I uh, decided to run for that uh, assembly seat and knocked on a whole bunch of doors, just like I did when I was on city council and ended up getting elected in 2014. Very cool. And listen, we are super excited in Agoura Hills to be in your district. I know that you are, you know, you know our council members. And so we, we consider you a friend in Agoura Hills already. So we're looking forward to a bright future together. Oh yeah, and, and we have, when I was on the city council, we did a lot of work in the Conejo Valley. So, you know, these, uh, these cities, uh, all the way from Calabasas to Thousand Oaks, have a lot in common. So uh, we feel very comfortable rec uh, representing Agora and really excited to do it. I have a question for you about redistricting, right? So, and, and the reason is because, you know, obviously, I'm not sure if folks know, but prior to January of this year, we were in a different district, and now after, we're in your district. And again, we're very excited about that. But just to give some context to the, the folks at home, you know, every 10 years, we go through the US Census, and we look at where people are going, and where the populations are moving, and then the district boundaries are looked at to, you know, really determine that, you know, we're getting uh, adequate representation for the people. And so when that process worked its way out, the district boundaries were redrawn, and that is how Agora Hills got to be you know, united with Jackie. And so with that, I wanna know, how do you feel about the new boundary lines? What is your excitement level in dealing with new partners like Agora Hills? It's a time of high anxiety when, when you're going through the redistricting process. 60% of my district is new, and uh, I added uh, Simi Valley, uh, Agora, um, Calabasas, Hidden Hills, and then interestingly also uh, Malibu, Brentwood, uh, uh, Pacific Palisades and Bel Air, so a very diverse district, but certainly in this this area, I'm quite familiar, uh, know a lot of the people on the city council, and I am really excited. And there's a lot; all those those communities do have a lot in common. They value open space. They have, I think, a very big concern about fire. Uh, most of the district that we're talking about was affected by the the Woolsey fire and uh, especially in the Malibu area, they lost quite a few homes. So um, I am a problem solver. My staff, I have an excellent uh, district staff and an excellent legislative staff. We work on solving problems and so we're, we're just excited to get to work and, and to learn um, the folks uh, about the needs of the folks in this area. And we've had a lot of conversation with elected officials and businesses uh, and even before I was elected I already went for a tour with the assistant fire chief to, to, to look at really what the things that are facing us in this area. So it, it is very exciting, a, a new day. Absolutely. Well, listen, you, you mentioned open space. It's a huge deal for us, obviously. Um, our, our council record has really been supporting and advocating for preserving open spaces. Having said that, can you go into, I mean, you know, some of the efforts that you have worked on uh, in your tenure so far to really go in, in line of, of preserving open spaces and the things that Agora Hills values? I had already represented part of the Santa Monica Mountains, but now I'm representing all the way to the 405 and beyond. So as soon as I saw that this was going to be my district, I thought, you know, it would be really cool to hike the Backbone Trail. Yeah. So the Backbone Trail, of course, starts all the way over um, by Magoo and, and goes to um, 
and goes to uh, Pacific Palisades, and it's, I think, 68 miles. Yeah, but you, you just see the beauty and isolation of that area, and there's a lot of places on the Backbone Trail that you can see the ocean and see Agora, and the next day you see the ocean, and you see the San Fernando Valley. So it's, um, it, you really value, you know, you, you can see the value of preserving that. We have an incredible, area here when you think about uh, this very large city, Los Angeles, and yet um, through the years we've been able to uh, protect a significant portion of the Santa Monica's and the mountain ranges around LA. So I, I think that's truly unique and, um, and we want to continue to work uh, to preserve even more areas. The governor has a plan 30 by 30 to, uh, he put money has been put aside for open space. So we were uh, really um, thrilled that we were able to get $10 million for a parcel in the Santa Monica's. That's uh, two miles of oceanfront and uh, another 1,200 acres. And that is going to be now preserved in perpetuity and open to the public. So, uh, and we, we also were able to get another $6 million in the budget to preserve some land in Simi Valley. So we'll continue to work on that. Uh, Calabasas and Agora have some priorities for open space. I know there was some money last year I, I, for a project that you were really uh, interested in. So uh, big priority for me because that's the area I live in. This is the area I live in and, um, and I know that the residents here uh, have, have moved out to this area because they have a deep appreciation for open space. Yeah, well we're excited about that and you know your district is so diverse in the constituents that you represent, right? I mean, you have cities, you have universities, uh, you know, just a whole host of things, and, and, and actually bridge, bridges over two counties, right? right? And so I guess the question I want to ask you is, is how do you balance the needs of all these varying groups with sometimes different interests? How do you go about balancing those needs so that you are trying to be as best a representative as you can for the people you represent? Well, it's um, we even in the previous district, I probably had uh, the biggest spectrum of constituents of or, or one of the biggest of any of, of any district, and um, it's just really important that you go into each area, that you uh, talk to um, elected officials, that you talk to your constituents, that you are you are having those conversations, and you're finding out what the needs of the area are, and so um, that's the the work we're going to do. It's really a matter of reaching out into all the different uh, communities and finding out what their needs are and, and like I said I have an excellent uh, district office but when you talk about the the political sit, you know situation obviously you have much more you, you have a wide range and so for me I always consider this a very purple district and I need to make sure that my votes in the legislature represent that. So we balance, uh, balance. Uh, you know, look carefully at every vote. Look at how it's going to affect the constituents, uh, kind of where they stand on things, and um, and really think about um, each time that I vote for one of you know 2,500 right. bills, that it is uh, what we think is best for the entire community. That's great. This is why we're excited, folks. This is why. <laughs> All right. So let's talk. Let's talk public safety. You seem to be a very involved representative. I mean, there are, you know, I can find articles and pictures and everything where you are in 
in there talking with local law enforcement officials and really in the weeds trying to understand what is going on uh, with your different constituents. And I think that's a great thing. Maybe you can give a perspective on, on your feelings and your passions of, of being involved when it comes to public safety issues. Going back to my city council days, I was um, quite aware that uh, the number one issue for my constituents was public safety. You can have open space, you can have good schools, you can have uh, you know well-paved roads, but if you don't feel safe in your community then none of that matters. So I've worked very closely with um, our public safety uh, sheriff's department, Thousand Oaks Police Department, on issues very early on, on issues of underage drinking. Uh, back then it was uh, heroin concerns, uh, educating the public about the dangers of heroin. Uh, currently there's a big concern with uh, fentanyl. And I've been, you know, I always tell my, my colleagues up in the legislature, we make a lot of public safety uh, rules. Uh, we do, we put a lot of, um, controls on on the police officers in our county but we need to understand their work also so I um, in every you know I try every year every two years to go for ride-alongs and see what is it really like to be out in the community to to you know go to a home where there's been a domestic violence call and um, and then we worked with them also on uh, what are potential uh, public safety uh, you know, gun violence uh, um, efforts that you can make to reduce the the uh, danger uh, to residents after borderline, and so we worked on gun violence restraining orders with our local um, uh, deputies and working on the apps list. Different, looking at how can we make sure to uh, keep uh, guns out of the hands of people that shouldn't have them. So I, I, I am a very strong um, supporter of public safety uh, because our constituents, um, they, they really value it. Yeah, and well, thank you for being so involved. You know, public safety is paramount for us, so we appreciate that. And if you need a ride along, we'll contact <laughs> Captain, Captain Jen C2. I know you're watching this. Let's hook it up, hook it up. <laughs> All right, so Jackie, and by the way, yes. I, I have had uh, multiple meetings already with Jen C2, and she is absolutely fantastic. And everywhere I go, it seems whether you're in, in, in Malibu or you're in Calabasas, everybody, everybody knows her, and, and she's doing a, a really fantastic job for um, these L.A. County cities. She is. We're lucky to have her. Yes. Cal Fire has designated the city of Agoura Hills as a very high fire hazard severity zone. It's hard to believe that the Woolsey Fire was back in the end of 2018, but it's, you know, it's still, I think we, a lot of us still feel the scars of when that fire raged through here and caused so much destruction on its way to the ocean. And, you know, last, gosh, I guess it was last July, um, I read you were a part of a conglomerate of safety professionals that included Ventura County Fire and the community, and it sounded like there was a lot of good sort of emergency evacuation personnel put together. Um, can you, do you, do you plan on kind of maybe having similar situations where folks can, you know, kind of come together and really understand the resources that are available to them? That is the number one issue right now in this area is, um, is fire safety. And we did a, uh, it, it was called 911 in the 805 where we bought, brought all these resources together. We had great turnout. And we covered areas from, all, you know, a home hardening to what type of plants should you plant. And we had the, the different water districts speaking also to make sure, you know, we wanted to make sure
sure that they have the the water they need yeah. if there's if there's a fire I've been as I mentioned I went up to um, or I maybe I didn't mention it 69 Bravo uh, to see what they're doing up there to protect to to make sure that they can get to a fire quickly if so if one breaks out in the uh, in the Santa Monica Mountains, but I think the 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 other thing that has that we really hear from constituents in this area, Agora and Westlake, is um, the problem with getting fire insurance. It has become prohibitively expensive, and a lot of especially condo associations have actually not been able to to get reassured, so reinsured. So we are looking at doing a kind of town hall with the different condo associations with the um, insurance commissioner because that's an issue that really needs to be to um, be figured out. And then uh, I also think that we need to be, we, we've had some real efforts in housing, uh, trying to increase the amount of housing here in you know, throughout the state of California. And I have been very vocal that we need to be, uh, uh, you know, have not supported some of those efforts because um, I think we have to be really careful about increasing any density in these high fire zone areas, uh, especially when you look at areas like Topanga or the canyons that we have right around here, Canaan, um, Las Virginis. We need to make sure that folks can get out quickly and that they're not going to end up in a traffic jam. And so I think it is incumbent on us to make sure that the locals are involved with approving housing in areas where it can actually accommodate. And, and I think these high fire zone areas where you already have a problem, like, as I mentioned before, with insurance are not necessarily areas that can accommodate um, more density. So we've looked through SB 9 to make sure that there was language in there that, um, that gave some local control and, and we're going to see if you know there's anything we can do to tighten that up. But I am always a um, proponent of really allowing more um, decisions made at the local level where they really understand what the what the conditions are right uh, you know in their area and, and some of these bills that we pass you know, one size doesn't fit all, let me right. put it that way. Yeah, and you know, that's great. And, and so thankful that you said that too, because, you know, for us, especially with the housing situation that you brought up, you know, we've never been a city that has said no, no to housing. I mean, we want housing, but it's just got to make sense when you're dealing with the factor of being in these very high fire hazard severity zones. So what does that exactly mean and how do those two work together, that balance? Um, and it sounds like, you know, you're in line with that and advocating for that at the legislature. So we appreciate that. And it sounds like also maybe 911 and the 818 might be coming up. I don't know, just saying. All right, so we're going to move on to sustainability and climate action planning. Agora Hills, we love our climate action planning. So our council has been very, I would say, forward thinking in how in this category we, uh, you know, the council adopted a formal climate action and adaptation plan. We're in the process of getting through a bikeway master plan where we hope to encourage uh, folks to really look at alternate modes of transport. They also just recently passed an ordinance that uh, required, it's going to mandate all electric construction for new residential and commercial development. So the council has been really, you know, putting the action to, 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 the, to the plan. And so we're really excited about that. Having said that, could we get your perspective, uh, you know, as our representative in the assembly, 
on how you feel about your responsibility in being an environmental steward. First of all, Agora has done incredible work and I would say is really leading among many cities in, in California with looking at all these issues. Some of them that would be almost more statewide, you know, moving ahead of what the state is doing. So I really uh, commend you um, on the work that you're doing. And this is obviously an existential crisis if you're talking about climate change. We have had really um, very uh, crazy weather in the last few years going from this extreme drought to now uh, we don't even know when the rain is going to stop. I th think that we all have a responsibility to do what we can to deal with climate change and um, for me I really want to make sure that I'm there to support any of the actions that the city is making to write letters in support of the projects that you have. Uh, the Air Resources Board with the laws that we passed has stated that we're going to try to um, that we are going to not be selling um, non-electric vehicles by 2035 and one of the things I've really been focusing on is how do we get there from here as you start to uh, lower demand for gas how do you make sure that the late adopters are not paying $20 a gas so it's really quite a balance especially with our um, our constrained uh, refining capacity you know we have a special blend here in California and I am you know I grew up in the San Fernando Valley and the air was yellow uh, when we were growing up and we would have to you know often we would have the smog days where we would have to play inside so that that specialized blend has been really important to uh, to uh, better the air quality here in California but it also is constraining our supply so we have to we have to do a really good job at the state level of how are we going to move to that um, to 2035 and move and transition to electric vehicles you know to a lower emission future but what uh, what I have continue to harp on is that if we do not bring along our you know lower socioeconomic residents we're not going to get there and so when you're talking about um, uh, EVs for instance you know so, some of them are still out of reach for some households and we're looking at what are programs that we can bring to this area to make sure that everybody has access to an EV and that everybody has the ability to put solar panels or battery backup or or have a charging infrastructure at their home but we really need to be focusing on those that are not necessarily the natural early adopters and um, make sure that, that we bring them along otherwise we're not going to make uh, our climate goals so I think that that's critical for every city as you're making these these um, very uh, important plans that you figure out also for folks that don't necessarily have the resources, how are you going to help them uh, uh, get to helping us all with our climate? Yeah, and that's great too, because it sounds like you're taking that, that piece between the legislation and then really figuring out how does that get implemented. And that's the important piece, right? We can have a plan, we can have a, you know, the law in place, but if we don't know how to actually get there, then we're not going to get there. Yes, and that's been a, a big focus on, on of mine this year is uh, getting these agencies to come up with a plan as we as we step down our um, our, our demand to make sure that uh, that that we don't end up with our our lowest uh, lowest socioeconomic groups paying extraordinarily high uh, gas prices. Okay, so when the committees came out, the state assembly committee assignments. 
We saw that you're on, I'm gonna say this, read this so I get it right. Agriculture, business and professions, higher education, privacy and consumer protection, and revenue and taxation. Did I get that right? That is right. All right, so how do you see your presence on these committees benefiting Agora Hills as well as the other agencies that you represent? I think we can go down uh, the list of committees and, and, and you know, there, everything that, that affects all Californians is certainly going to um, affect Agora Hills. Now, you might not have any ag here, but you certainly eat. We do a lot of, uh, you know, looking at how farming uh, uh, methods can help with climate change. And, and you know, that's right along uh, your goals and, and making sure food is safe in the ag committee and in business and professions. You've got plenty of doctors and nurses and, and all sorts of groups that are uh, affected by the, the, the different boards that business and professions um, covers. Uh, uh, the the privacy committee has really been something that I've been focusing on. I've done a lot of work in cybersecurity. We do have a bill that is going to require local government to be uh, a, a little bit safer with the URLs that they use. And, and uh, yeah. we're not sure where Agora stands on that yet, but it is good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, no, we're all, we're all for being safe. Yes, sure. and, yeah. and when you look at all the big breaches that we're talking about, often it's that somebody just clicked on a link in an email, clicked on a link on their cell phone, uh, and, and businesses got hacked that way. And so we really talk about personal responsibility. I have a whole list up of cybersecurity tips, making sure to turn off location services on apps that don't really need them, doing two-step authentication on your email, um, locking up your, your credit reports, and, um, and we just go, you know, for seniors or for different groups, I've, I've done it all over uh, my previous district, just going through and giving tips because every, every little thing that you remember about protecting yourself um, on your phone or on your home computer is something that can uh, protect your company and protect your family and protect your credit. So we all need to take personal responsibility. I am the chair of Revintax, so we, we do, that's something that I've had in, in the last year, and obviously that affects everybody talking about tax credits and tax deductions and taxes and, and um, really making sure that, that anything we do to the tax code is for the benefit of those that, uh, that need it. Yeah. What can we do as a city to help foster and, and really strengthen this relationship uh, for the betterment of, of both of our sides? We can't help if we don't know what the issues are that are going on in the city. So we, I encourage, well, we're going to have a, um, uh, I think it's, we are calling it a sidewalk session, July 22nd, July 22nd. right here in Agora. And, and we'll be sending out emails to let residents know that we're going to be here. Um, uh, we, we look at all the emails that are sent to us or letters that are sent to us and try to be out in the community as much as possible. But we can't help you unless we know what the issues are. Uh, when bills come up, and as I said, there's I think 2,500 bills that, um, that uh, have been submitted for um, city leaders. And uh, w it's really important th that uh, you contact us with things that you're concerned about. But we also, when bills come up, try to reach out to cities and ask how those bills will affect them. And, and you know, you, you mentioned housing bills. Uh, that seems to be right now the biggest focus for the cities. But um, for any bill that I vote on, uh, we want to make sure that we get input from the local level because, um, you know, air, all these areas are very different and we need to know how things affect you. So um, just, I think, just open lines of communication is, is critically important. Let me ask you this. So 
this one's a little bit near and dear to me. So I have an 11 year old daughter and uh, you know, as a dad, I'm always trying to tell her to, you know, you can accomplish anything. Just put your mind, you got this, you can do this. And you know, you're such an inspiration. And I think that thankfully there's so many, you see so many more women in leadership positions that excites me, you know, and it gives hope for my daughter and future generations that are coming up. You know, there, there have been barriers I know that folks have had to go through. You yourself has probably had to go through these. What would be your advice to my daughter and to other young ladies that are aspiring to be that next generation of leaders that are going to take this country to heights that we have not yet seen? Well, first, we have come a long way. And, uh, but we're not where we need to be. When I was in, when I first was elected, I think we had uh, 23 female uh, legislators. Uh, that number has more than doubled in the last eight years. So that's really exciting. A lot of it, a lot of women came in in, in 2018 because um, they could see that, that uh, there were really a lot of attacks on, on women. But even before that, when I was in high school at Taft, I had to swim on the boys' swim team, and um, and you know it was fine the first year that you do it, but because you're swimming with the freshman boys, but by the time you're on junior varsity, it's not fair anymore. And and Title IX had already passed, but our high school hadn't implemented it. I didn't know what it had passed, so went every day to the principal, the assistant principal, and said we need a girls' swim team. And after uh, you know six months of bothering him, we finally got one, and uh, it was very successful. So you you look at where we are, we're we're coming, and we're moving um, forward very quickly. But it does seem for young girls that it can be disappointing to look at you know some of what's going on currently that seems to be um, pulling women back. But my my advice to to these young young women and and you know, my own daughter was you can do anything, and you just have to have the self confidence that you can do it and I've done a lot of um, work to try to get uh, young girls to see themselves in the STEM fields but sometimes they have to see somebody else that looks like them there so whether it's uh, you know girls of color or just girls they're they're not going into engineering at the numbers that we uh, that we want to see or the STEM fields that we want to see but when they see women that look like them then, then they think that there probably um, is a past. There's, there's such, there's so many more opportunities for young girls than there were in the past, and um, we need them to see themselves in these leadership roles. And I meet with a lot of young women and just try to, um, to, to show that that you you can do it. And, and you know, I think my daughter has gone beyond me, and um, and her daughter will go beyond her. But we need to keep pushing forward. Love it, love it. All right, so let me end with this. So Jackie, all the amazing things that you're working on, I know you're pulled in so many different directions. What can the people of Agori Hills look forward to? Some hopeful outcomes or some of the things that you're very passionate about working on right now, what can the people in Agori Hills look forward to? I think we've come through really difficult times and, and you definitely see that, that through COVID and, and uh, you know, kids not being in school, uh, we, could be a little, we could be a little down, but I think it's just, it's very important to, to um, look at what you have and, um, and really make your own future. We can't, we are, we as governments are not gonna be providing happiness for anybody, but we are going to, you know, in Agora, you have created a beautiful community with a lot of amenities. There are fantastic schools here. And, um, and I think that's what people, 
can look forward to, to continuing to make their community a better place and, and knowing that it's incumbent upon them to, um, to do it. I always like uh, George Bush, his, his thousand points of light. And when we look at, um, we look around right now, we see darkness. But then when one person uh, does something positive, you know, they start a food bank or a diaper bank, or they start tutoring kids at school that, that need help, they create their own light. And if we all do a little something in our community to make somebody else's life better, there will be light. And there you have it, Agora Hills. Heard it right there, straight from the assembly member. Listen, I wanna thank everyone at home for joining us once again, for you know, listening on your, in your cars, for watching us at home, and for joining us, because this platform is for you so that we can continue to bring these amazing guests right to your doorstep. I wanna thank our amazing crew who always puts this amazing setup together. And last but not least, cannot say enough how thankful we are to you, Assemblymember Irwin, for taking the time to be here with us in a very busy schedule. This is gonna be an amazing partnership and we're just so excited about what the future holds for both of us, so thank you. My pleasure, thank you. So you know how we do it on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Until we see you next time, keep living the good life. In Agora Hills. Take care. <laughs> Catch up on previous episodes at agorahillspodcast.com and hit that like button and subscribe to The Good Life, Agora Hills.